In the spring of 2021, Mickey Weems was diagnosed with stage 4 prostate cancer and was given 6 to 12 months to live. This episode was recorded in June of 2022. My name is Donna Blanchard. While we recognize that Mickey is dying, we'd like to welcome you to another day of his life. Hello, Mickey Weems. Aloha, my kako. How are you today? How are you feeling emotionally? We'll talk about that first. Okay, emotionally and physically, Mondays are always the toughest day for a couple of reasons, because it's the end of the weekend, um, recovery time, which I make worse by doing legs and legs are always a problem um, with the body as it currently is. Tomorrow, I will be in a world of pain through Tuesday. Well, tomorrow's Tuesday, um, <laughs> to Wednesday. And um, I know it's gonna happen. So I just kind of, you know, okay, the choice is either do legs and go through the pain or don't do legs and maybe have a little bit easier life. Um, part of my thick headedness is easier life in some things I'm not accepting. In some ways I am, I, yeah, ease is fun. But in other things, because of the, the deal I have with the universe, that's not part of the contract. I have to make, I, I, it has to be tough in some ways. So, and when you're talking about partially because of the weekend, you spend your weekends dancing Friday and yep. Saturday nights until the wee hours of the morning, and then you're doing legs. So I imagine it gets difficult to just do the smallest things, walking to the bathroom, right? Uh, that's not too bad. It's just hurt. Because whether I'm walking or I'm sitting or I'm laying down, they hurt. But then that's why God made ibuprofen. Yeah. I'm a fan. <laughs> you know what? I think I'm going to take two right now. <laughs> okay. But I'm, I'm not really hurting. So that, that this, is, this is not uh, because uh, I'm in massive like ache or anything. We, we discussed the three kinds of pain last time. Mm-hmm. So there's like ache which to me is one kind of pain. There's sharp pain, which is like if you hit somebody, but then there's the pain of fatigue. And I didn't realize that was a pain till last week. We can talk about more about that later. Yeah. Uh, And I just want to note, uh, Mickey's just taking over the counter ibuprofen. It's not the super duper 800 milligrams or anything, which a lot of people would turn to in your position. So I just want to, let you know i commend you for for that for staying attuned with what your body is going through i know that's so so important to you and so you're talking about physical pain affecting you emotionally yeah because uh physical you know the the thing is i'm always on guard for any small change that's indicating that my health status is getting worse that being the case, when, when, I, when I feel pain, it's like, okay, is this just part of the normal, the normal cycle that I've been seeing for a year or so, when you tell them, almost two years now, or is this, or is this something new? Has, has it just ratcheted up a little bit? The biggest change has been the use of catheterization, sticking that long tube up through my penis into my um, bladder so that I can urinate because I cannot, right at this point, in this particular cycle, I cannot urinate without it. So that's having to happen four times a day. And that concerns me because mm-hmm. I'm not sure what, what that means. I'm going to talk to, I'll, I'll be talking to a doctor about that 
pretty soon to see, okay, is that another sign? You know, do I, do I need to start paying attention to that? Do I need to see the urologist? What, 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 what's going on? Or is this, you know, eh, just the, the way things are going now. Has the catheter not been this painful before? Well, the catheter, catheter doesn't really hurt. Oh. It's just, it worries me in that I'm having to use it to even urinate at all. Oh, okay. When is your next uh, targeted radiation scheduled? We're going to talk about that after I get a bone scan and possibly a CT to see if there's any other activity where, you know, where the lilies tend to be brighter. Um, yeah. so, so for those of you who might be listening in for the first time, I, when I envision the cancer along my spine and different parts of my body, I envision it as lilies, yellow lilies. So when I make that reference, that's a euphemism. And the targeted radiation prunes the lilies. Right. It prunes the, exactly. You remember that from what we spoke about it before. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just such beautiful imagery. I have learned so much about naming pain and framing it from you that I feel like I'm uh, uh, able to handle things a little differently myself. I uh, tripped and hurt my foot and I'm, I, I, I feel like I'm applying some of what I've learned from you, Nikki, <laughs> into, okay, well, is that a pain that I need to talk to the doctor about? No, I probably just sprained something. So this is how I need to take care of it. And this means I can go forward and uh, um, I, I think that anytime we can, instead of berating our pain or blaming or, uh, making it separate from us, uh, and, and own it, it really is a, an incredible mind shift that you go to, that you're just listening to what your body's telling you. That's how it's trying to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I mentioned Rabbi Noah Weinberg. My rabbi in Israel, he said that if you think that the opposite of pain is pleasure, he says you're decadent. Mm. He says the opposite of pain is comfort. And the distinction there is that there are certain pleasures you can only get with, with sweating it, with working out, with, with, you know, basically going through things that don't feel so hot. And they, that can bring you pleasure. The soreness I get from lifting is a pleasure. Believe it or not, it, you know, um, the normal soreness that you get. It, I know that I've done a good workout. I'm happy with it. And of course, boy, as weightlifters, we'll brag about it. Oh, yeah, man, my legs are killing me. Oh, yeah, dude. You, know, you killed it on the squats, bro. You know, so <laughs> that's part of our whole thing is with that. That kind of pain is part of the pleasure. People who are part of the BDSM community surely know this. Oh, yeah. And they, and they, and they play with it. They have fun with it, which I kind of appreciate about them. Interesting. I went, I had the great pleasure of going to the Andy Warhol museum in uh, Pittsburgh uh, while I was in town for a conference. And, you know, he, he was an avid filmmaker and he would have parties and would have just a, a, a camera rolling or um, a, a recording and he, he recorded some BDSM activity that was really intriguing. The three of us there just sat and watched it for a long time that clearly these people were channeling something that was not necessarily even sexual. It was more of a 
communication. Yeah, deep set. Deep um, set communication. Yeah, deep, set. deep set communication. Like I'm, I'm, I myself am not a fet person, fet as in fetish, but I do. I know people that are, and they're they're good people, and I've talked to them about it, and I'm I'm fascinated, especially since I get that as myself, which in itself is a fetish. So um, of course it's not. It's it's my reality. It's not really a fetish for me, but uh, still that the anything about the human psyche where people are sharing. Even if the sharing may seem extreme to outsiders, I'm interested. I like when, when I watch fire dancers, I watch them light up the two ends of whatever pole or whatever they're using and twirl it. And I know that they have burned the holy crap out of themselves before learning to do it. But they're there and they're there to help each other out. They have uh, fire blankets to put out the fire or to put out a person if the person catches fire. Um, and they really watch out for each other. They, they bond through the use of this, this element that we've had, uh, this elemental force that we tamed about a million years ago and shaped us as to who we are. Um, I have mad respect for them for that. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's like you find something which takes you out of the ordinary and maybe even puts you in danger, which fire does. And you use it for community. And I think that, I just find that gorgeous. So how does that parlay into what you are going through physically now? Do you feel like it is some of what you're going through with your cancer is uh, spiritual? Yeah, well, there, there's this huge invisible community of people who have cancer that I have this link to. I don't need to know their names. I don't even need to see them, but I know they're there. And this links us and what I go through when I do talk with them, believe it or not, creates a kind of pleasure. It's a pleasure to share. It's a pleasure to see them open up and think, okay, I can finally talk about this and I don't have to worry about judgment because this guy's living it. Yeah. And that was really, really tough this week. Last, last Friday, I went to the my oncologist. And after I, after I was done, I'm walking outside. There's, if you have, you've ever been to Straub, that wonderful medical center over on King Street here in Honolulu. Um, the Straub Clinic has the oncology department and outside of it is a really nice little garden with like, you know, stonework. It's kind of Japanese influence. It's, it's, it's pretty. Well, there was a woman sitting outside of it and she had on, is it a scarf or a head, something, a head covering that I've seen so many women with cancer wear, so many people, and sometimes men wear it too. But typically I see women wear it because what it means is they've lost all their hair. Mm, yeah. And I think for a woman losing her hair is much more traumatic than for a man. And I saw her, she was all by herself. She was just sitting there. And I thought, sister, <laughs> I, I feel for you. And I'm, um, I'm going through something myself with cancer. But I got shy and I couldn't bring myself to say anything to her because no, I, here I am, you know, that with the devil's bargain that I made to keep my body, I don't look like I got it. And I thought if I say something to her and tell her I have cancer, maybe she might get kind of like, you know, are you mocking me? Maybe she wouldn't believe me. And, and so I didn't say anything to her. And I felt I have, I, even today, I can't stop thinking about her. So uh, the next time that happens is the price I paid for not talking to her has been, you know, beating myself up has really gotten, given me incentive and other people I've talked to about it too. They said, just say hi, 
you know, just, and if she didn't want to talk, she didn't want to talk, but, you know, at least, at least reach out and say, you know, hope you're having a good day or how's everything, you know, or, or something or, you know, anything just to, yeah. to, just to reach out. And I thought, you know, you, that is exactly what I should have done. So I will make amends when I say, when I have a moment like that, I will not let it pass. Yeah. You know, you can always say that's a beautiful scarf. Yeah. You know, Oh, that's, I, a, that's a good one, Donna. Thanks. <laughs> I, I feel like, um, and I, I, I think this is for men and women and everybody in between that you can always open with a compliment. It's always going to be the heart of it will be received, you know, without having to ask her why she's wearing a scarf. Right. But, but to be honest, sometimes I feel so socially clumsy, ham handed, you know, mm. I'm going to say something stupid, you know, I better not I better leave her with her with her with her contemplation, right? Don't make a fool of yourself. Don't you know? Don't don't make it worse. Basically, is that there's the whole thing, right? Like like the um, the 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 physician Galen or Galen, as people call him, G A L E N, who said uh, he gave all these rules for what doctors should do back in Lord knows when. I think he was either he was either Roman or Greek, and he said at least do no harm as a physician. So I, I try to be the same way. At least don't you know? Don't make things worse because there've been times where I have said something and it's like, oh no. I really stuck my foot in it this time. Well, so I for those like... of you who don't have cancer and you're, you know, you're listening to me and you don't know what to say, I understand. <laughs> I get it. I am, you know, just because I got it doesn't mean all of a sudden I have this magical ability to, to transcend and I can talk to everybody. No, it's, it's still, it's still awkward and I'm still a klutz. It's interesting that you say that because I always felt like, well, people with cancer, you have like a secret club that you can speak to each other about it where I don't feel that I could, but I didn't realize that your cancer is not obvious at all. And I mean, you have a short haircut, but you, it, you don't seem to have lost any hair and you're, you stand straight. <laughs> you the have? places where I've lost hair, people don't see. <laughs> oh, oh, got a Brazilian, yeah. did you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you can't go showing that around maybe at the club but uh not at straub <laughs> let me tell you about last weekend go ahead. Oh, <laughs> <I'm just joking. laughs> you know what i bet you get the opportunity to make amends and maybe with that same woman inshallah yeah i can imagine i didn't realize this before but you must have i know that it's very important to you that you help people on your way uh, through your transition and it must weigh heavily on you sometimes. How are you going to do that? How do you grapple with that? Um, it does weigh heavy on heavily on me because, you know, limited duration, right? Every time I don't do something is an opportunity lost, but I get, you know, that's, that's true in life in general. It just so happens that the grains of sand are fewer for me in that particular hourglass. Um, it worries me, but it doesn't worry me too much. Um, I realize my faults. I realize that I will make mistakes and that that's okay. You know, do as you, big as my ego is, that? it's not that big. Sorry? Okay, you do, you do really, you are able to say that's okay and let it go. 
Yep. That's good. Well, because overall, I mean, and this is where if I'm going to feel guilty about anything and I don't feel guilty about this, it would be I'm a happy guy. <laughs> I, I am. I'm, I'm not. I'm yeah, I'm I'm a. I'm not, I don't know if I'm zippity doodah happy, but yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty happy guy. Yeah, you're in far better shape than a lot of people after what, 16 months after getting your prognosis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't feel guilty about that at all. You're a shining example um, of accepting, of acceptance. Thank you. I would like to add something to that. Yeah um it's it's acceptance in the way that you like then the way that you would ride a wave you accept what's coming to you and then you use it so it's not acceptance and just saying okay i give up um no and we will get into that when we talk about quitting because that's like this huge if you want to know a burden for me quitting is a burden it's a fear i'm scared of it that I feel like that's a topic that we're going to bring up at the top of an episode because we're going to spend our full. I want to make sure we have plenty of time to talk about that. Yeah. You know what's amazing is even bringing it up. I feel <laughs> I'm getting tense. Oh, yeah. Just the fact of bringing it up causes me to get a little bit, a little bit on edge. It, it, it runs that deep. Well, I imagine, I mean, you have, the trigger is yours to pull mm-hmm. and the timing that how you live with that is unfathomable to me. That's why we're going to spend an entire episode on that, Mickey. Okay. Um, with what you were saying about um, maybe the woman with the scarf uh, plays into this, you've talked a little bit about your Catholic guilt Oh, that, that probably is why I feel so bad about the woman. <laughs> yeah, right? There, there, I, there are sins of omission and sins of commission. Are you, know, are you familiar with that? I sure am. <laughs> okay, so I will. I guess, yeah, I guess that's evangelical as well. But yeah, you can go through that for everybody who wasn't raised that way. Okay, a sin of commission is when you do something that is a sin. A sin of omission is when you pur- purposely or consciously do not do the right thing. Yeah. So that was for me within the way that my mindset is, I may be a Muslim, but I'm still raised Catholic. Now that was a sin of omission on my part. Boy, I get that same kind of guilt. And you know what? I used to, after being raised Missouri Synod Lutheran, I, I really thought that it was that religion that kept me in line that yeah. because of that, but now as a devout atheist, I know that is not what kept me in line. My humanity is, is what kept me in line. But also, I feel like with what you're talking about, you have to have that humanity for yourself that we're always going to be able to doubt and second guess. And uh, I can't remember what it was. I said something the other day. Oh, I was introducing my nephew and his wife to someone that I work with. And I introduced my nephew and then his wife. And I said, yeah, Sean did well. He has a beautiful, intelligent, successful wife, but I, and then we got in the car for a four hour drive and I kept thinking, geez, Donna, why did you, how many different ways could that have gone? And what did he think I was trying to say? You know, that doesn't do me any good to keep 
berating myself and imagining the absolute worst you know the the story about the two monks who are walking in the woods and there's a woman who needs help across the river and one of the monks puts her on his back and carries her across the river and then miles down the trail the second monk says how could you have put that woman on your back we're not supposed to come in contact with women and the first one says i carried her across the river you've been carrying her for miles that's that's what i was doing yesterday in the car that's almost a a sin to myself that i didn't just let it go well you know maybe not um the woman who was sitting on the bench with the scarf and she's still in my mind and she's going to be there for a while maybe it's good maybe that is cementing something in my psyche so to help me behave in a different way to help me improve maybe that particular thing will and the reason why it's still there is to is to strengthen me if you can if you can see it that way if you can have that frame on it that it helps rather than berating yourself for something in the past you cannot change and use it to prepare yourself for the future that's that's different Mm-hmm. I hope I hope that's the case. We're getting we, we need to wrap up here pretty quickly. Is there a considering that? Is there a thought that you would like to leave us with or anything on your mind you'd like to tell us? Mercy is always the default that we should go to. Compassion and mercy should always be the default. Um even if you blow it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just um yeah, just keep that in mind. I guess that that would be my advice to myself, mainly, and and to anybody who, who considers my advice worth anything. Thank you, Mickey. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Donna Blanchard. James Charisma is our producer. Susan Wright is our content advisor, PR agent, and support team member. Music generously donated by Kainani Kahaunaele from her Hoku Award-winning album, Waipunale. We're all here to support our friend Mickey and help him help all of us to learn about living while dying. <laughs>